When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck, and I'm along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers from The Athletic, and we are here to talk about the Phoenix race which was won surprisingly by William Byron. Now, you wouldn't think that was surprising in the sense that he won last week, but he definitely wasn't going to win that race. Um, no. <laughs> and, but yet he did. Yet he did. So, um, I, 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 you know, it's not like he's a, a surprise winner in that sense, but uh, I definitely did not see that coming, Jordan. No, I don't think he probably did either until that last caution. I mean, it looked like that was Kevin Harvick's race, right? I mean, that was, that was the story. And in Kevin Harvick's final season, like you knew he was going to get at least one more win. And we talked about this and like a lot of these long goodbyes don't turn out the way you want it to, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Didn't win Tony, Tony Stewart win Jeff Gordon won, but it came later and there was a lot of struggle to get to that point. And here's Kevin Harvick in what race four <laughs> is going to win this race. He's third in the points coming in. And, like all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, this is taking on a different complexion. And then, a caution came out, which I'd like to hear your thoughts. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, you could say it was quick, but it was, I mean, he spun on the front stretch. Like that to me is a caution that NASCAR is going to call just about every single time. And then all of a sudden it just got away. It wasn't anything he did wrong. It's just circumstances. Yeah. So first of all, on the caution, I wish we had gotten maybe like one more angle of it or view of it. We sort of had the sort of in progress view. And then they showed, they showed, showed sort of a pulled back view at like the entrance, the dog leg. And you sort of never really got the sense of like, cause it looked like he was able to get going again. Clint Boyer obviously had the same view that NASCAR did. Cause it, we know at Phoenix, they're standing that, that TV booth and the NASCAR yep. booth are pretty much right next to each other. And he immediately was like, quick caution. This was quick caution. Um, so I, I guess I guess the thing is, you know, this is the second week in a row where sort of a quick caution where some people, you know, depending on your view, are like, geez, was that really necessary? Um, I think, yeah, I, look, it was consistent compared to last week in terms of what they did. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe you're just looking for that consistency. At the same time, I do wonder if late in a race, uh, when someone has a five-second lead, um, you know, could you not wait to see if they get going to see if they're going to put down debris? I, I don't know if, if waiting a couple seconds, does that make a difference safety wise? I, I don't know. Like it, it definitely robbed NASCAR of a really great storyline. I mean, you know, you're, you can't think about that in, in race control and say, well, this is a really great story if we don't throw the caution. Um, but it did. I mean, you know, that who knows that could have been Kevin Harvick's last win right there. And it, now, like if he doesn't win the rest of the season or something, or if he misses the playoffs yep. or something like that, wow, people are really going to look back on that call. But, you know, it's tough. I mean, it wasn't the most eventful race, so I'm sure they're looking to like, I mean, that spiced it up at the end, give people something to talk about. But you know there's a high chance it's going to change the outcome when you press that button. And uh, it, that that's what happened. So I don't know. What do yeah. you think? I think you make a really good point. It would have been nice to see a different camera angle to kind of see if there was cars around him that were going to hit Harrison Burton or he was going to be able to spin and keep going. He was throwing debris off the car, so does that warrant a caution? I I don't know. I didn't have an issue with it. And take your point. Last week they called it quick. Today they called it quick. If that's how they're going to do it, then so be it. I'd rather have that than have this, oh, are they, are they not going to thing? If that's how they're going to call it late in the race, then so be it. Um, But – it's gonna be it's gonna be talked about, and in a race that didn't have a lot of excitement, I, I do think there's kind of a maybe subconsciously a, 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 a thought process of hey, <laughs> a caution here would do its wonders, and you're gonna you're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt when a situation like that comes up. I don't think in a race that wasn't the most exciting. Yeah, and I mean, look, um, 
maybe you can say, well, Harvick should have done something differently there. But typically, as the leader, I, I you know, you're you're pretty much a sitting duck with whatever call you're going to make. Does it does it change the outcome if Harvick takes two tires and then others take two tires and and you know they're all more on even tires or does everybody take four behind him once he takes two and then they just blow past him? I mean, he said afterwards that he wanted to be on offense and he agreed with their call, um, but they didn't make that much of a difference. He didn't even make up any ground on the first on the first restart there. And that's the deciding thing. And he said that too in the interview. Like, and I think that's the key thing. If he would have been able to pick up two or three spots on that restart, that's a different ballgame. Because Tyler Rankin had four tires and Tyler got up to third. I think if Harvick would be able to do that, this would we've been having a, maybe have a different conversation. But he that first restart, he just didn't get going, and he didn't gain any spots. I mean, it was a net gain of zero. Yeah, and you know he he did get bottled up there, but um, you know if it was like a, a Darlington or Old Atlanta or Fontana, those four tires absolutely would have you know helped yeah. him blow through the field. You know, as it turned out, two tires was the winning call um, for first and second place. Now Tyler Reddick had four tires. He finished third. He, that almost worked out for him. He ended up giving Byron the winning push though, because he had so much momentum and, and nowhere to go on the backstretch when they were three wide in front of him there. He chose to go with Byron and knocked him out into the lead. And that was pretty much, that was the deciding factor. Cause honestly, Blaney could have won that had, had yeah. Byron not been able to, to get that big boost from Reddick right there. Yeah. That was a restart and everything. And Blaney said that afterwards, which was, it was about Reddick getting the pushing the 24. And that was the thing that cleared it. I thought Blaney was going to do it there. Cause he got to both restarts. It looked like he was, he was being very aggressive, got really good restarts and got the position he wanted to. He just couldn't get that final little oomph to get over that hurdle. Um, still for Blaney, who's had a kind of a, a, a good, not the year he's wanted, but the, he's had good speed, but not the results. Like to get this result was, it was a good thing for him. No, for sure. And, and, you know, I was, there was a second there where I was going, oh, wow, this would be a, when he was, <laughs> you know, on the backstretch and I was like, oh, could he win this? Cause this would be a huge statement win for Blaney if he was able to pull mm-hmm. this off late and sort of steal it. Um, but you know, ultimately it, it really did feel like it was going to be Larson. I mean, even on that restart, you're, you're going, well, okay. Larson and Byron on equal tires. Larson has great short run speed. Um, yeah, Byron, you know, beat him on the initial start of the race and won the first stage, but it feels like Larson's got the car to beat today and Larson will just pretty pretty much take care of business. And uh, I don't know where the radio chatter, chatter came from, like if it was on their channel two or not, but I was listening to Larson's scanner. Um, it was still on the white flag lap, I think. And somebody, I think it was, I think it might've been Tyler Mon, the spotter, um, I don't, I don't think it was Cliff Daniels, but he came on and said something like we effed ourselves by yeah, trying to that. go with the 24. Um, yeah, it sounded like the spotter. Yeah. It didn't, um, so, it didn't sound like Cliff. It sounded like there were some frustration that Larson sort of followed Byron up the track to race Byron. And then that allowed Blaney to sneak underneath that put, you know, at the same time, Larson kind of loses momentum fighting with, Byron and then he he's not he doesn't have the advantage anymore he doesn't have a run anymore but they empowered if you go back I mean you, you heard this because I think we're probably listening to the same thing it's like Cliff Daniels told Kyle like follow your instinct Kyle was mm-hmm. asking where do I restart and, and Cliff was saying hey you do what is best for you you where you're most comfortable where you think you're going to be best to optimize the result and it's interesting because Cliff isn't sometimes an over crew chiefer like you know what I'm saying in the sense that he sometimes likes to tell the driver how to drive which I don't know how you feel about that, but some drivers are like, let me drive. But he was telling Larson earlier in the race, like, you're, you're screwing up turns three and four. Why did you let Kevin, you know, pass us? And but in that situation, he he took his hands off and said, Hey, Kyle, you do what's best. So it was interesting chatter, though. It's just, you know, that's a team that feels like for the second week in a row, they probably had the like, one they had one of the best cars, obviously. And they they let a win get away. They could have three straight wins. We're, we could be talking about them having three straight wins. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, um, you know, I, I'm always fond of the alternate narratives. You know, what would we be saying if Larson had gone out? We'd say, Oh, Larson championship favorite already here. He's, he's <laughs> hit on this car one year gap between his, his 10 win season and the championship. But look, look at his form. They're fast. He's, he's coming out with a vengeance this year. He didn't like how last season ended with his early elimination. Uh, here comes Larson, you know, all that stuff. 
Um, and then it would be Byron, uh, you know, still can't quite get over the hump kind of thing. Right. (laughs) Um, and you know, Byron, he's fast, but you know, he's just not as fast as, as Larson. He's always going to be kind of a B driver. Instead, the narrative is, Whoa, hello, William Byron, two wins in a row. (laughs) Um, you know, really track where they won last year, by the way, too. Yeah. Although, you know, last year, nobody knew what that was going to do at that Atlanta reconfig. Yeah. No, he is. He is for sure. But I mean, he really controlled that race last year. Yeah. But, you know, also like it's just very impressive when you look at uh, Byron now, um, you know, his career high for a season is two wins. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's got that now in the first four races. You would think that he's not done winning yet. Like it would be, you know, last year he got that second win. Um, yeah. and then he never won again and they kind of fell almost off a won cliff. Darlington and he almost well, won three of the true. first 12 races last year. He came with a, a lap and a half. And we said this after Martinsville cause he dominated that Martinsville race. Right. And we all said like, man, this is, you know, that was the first time he'd won multiple races in a season. And it's like, okay, it feels like he, he's getting over that hump. And then it just went the other direction. And that's why it's like, I'm really hesitant to like, um, fall on the Byron, you know, hop on the Byron bandwagon and be like, okay, like they've got it. I mean, he is really good. Like, I think he's got a lot of talent, but you've got to put together. He has yet to do what a, a Larson has done or an Elliot has done uh, his teammates where it's, it's regular season dominance, consistency week in and week out. We have not seen that from him. We've seen it in spurts, but we haven't seen it for a prolonged stretch where he's a factor. Well, I'll tell you what, something Rudy Fugel said in the post-race press conference really jumped out at me. Because he said that they spent a lot of time on the simulation stuff specifically for Vegas and Phoenix because Logano showed the blueprint last year, right? You win Vegas, you make the final four, and you don't have to worry about the next two races that round. And then obviously Phoenix is the championship race, and Logano won both those. Well, look who just won Vegas and Phoenix to open the year after they said they put a lot of work into it and a lot of time into it. William Byron. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Now, again, it could be, you know, a caution falls differently. We could be talking about completely different things here, but the bottom line is they did win those races. They were fast and, um, you know, we'll see if they can keep it up. But like, like you, I'm a bit hesitant just because, you know, it feels like you sort of been the burned. Is not there. Sure. Sure. And, and a lot of it will come down to the summer too, because once you really get into the thick of the summer, if they're still, you know, running well and winning races, okay. Then, you know, then you're like, okay, yeah. but, um, you would also think, as I said, you know, Byron's probably not done winning. Larson is going to win multiple races this year. Yep. Um, I would think that when Chase Elliott comes back, he is going to win not just one, but multiple races before the, the cutoff. Um, it's, it's feeling like a very Hendrick ish type season coming up. No, that, that's my big takeaway this, from this race is, you know, Byron winning everything, but it's Hendrick. It's it's the speed that Hendrick has had in his cars, company-wide. Like, it's just not one of them hitting on it, which we've seen in the past. It's, you look at today, like, Larson was great. Byron was great at the beginning, good in the middle, executed at the end. Josh Berry had a really, really impressive comeback. I mean, like, he was bad at the beginning, and I was like, well, wait a second, this is feels like Vegas again. Like, his three teammates are running well, and he's not. He came back and finished 10th. Like, that's a nice, gritty effort for a guy who's just making his second start with a top-tier team. Really good job for him, and, and a clean day, too. And then Bowman, who we haven't really talked about much, like, was quiet, but leaves with a top-10 finish, only driver to finish in the top-10 in all four races. And, oh, by the way, he's atop the point standings for the first time in his career. Like, Hendrick has got speed in the race cars, and that's a big thing. It feels like... I don't want to say the parody is gone in NASCAR and not ready to go there yet, but it certainly feels like it's kind of going back to how it normally was before last year, where an organization hits on it and they tend to kind of gobble up a bunch of wins. Hendrick right now feels like that organization. They, they, it feels like they're going to keep winning for a while. Yeah. And I tell you what, I mean, you know, Chevy's won the first four races. Now Hendrick seems to have speed. You know, there was, you know, when, when Kyle Busch started off the season so well for those first three races, including the class, you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe they're going to be, um, they haven't been quite the same track house. You know, they, it seemed like they missed it a little bit this weekend. Um, they're not quite as fast as I thought they were going to be. Cause last weekend at Vegas too, they, they didn't quite have what I, I was expecting. Um, and they're Hendrick, top, though, which is weird though, but they're, they're still top 10, like, right. Sure. Which is crazy to think about. Like, yeah, like. 
we're talking about track house like kind of honestly underwhelming but like chastain isn't up front like he has been but he's been running well he just again second week in a row too he was going to finish top 10 last week got shuffled back on that crazy restart and then today the restart did him in too with him and denny so it's a little misleading, but you're right. They don't have the overall uh, speed that they mostly had um, week in and week out last year. And again, early. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he he led one lap today, and that was only on a green flag pit cycle, and it wasn't like he was a threat to yep. get up there and, and win races. So um, it just feels like it's it's very Hendrick heavy right now. However. <laughs> Something, something seems like it's about to happen potentially. Right. Um, so in case you haven't been paying total attention this weekend to all the news, um, Friday before anybody goes through inspection, Jordan, which is another interesting wrinkle for this NASCAR goes around the garage and they start feeling all the louvers, which the louvers are like these little hood vents. They're a little bit different for each manufacturer in their hoods for, uh, the, the design of the manufacturer. Um, and you know, so here's the, here's, I guess the backstory on this is from what I understand, you know, the, the, obviously all the parts on the next gen car are, um, single source supplier parts, right? So the parts that these teams have been getting from the supplier are not exactly consistent. Apparently there's been a little bit of a problem with, um, having them all come out the same way and having them fit where they're supposed to fit in the same way. However, NASCAR, um, they've, they've dealt with this before with, with this next gen car so, so far. Right. Yeah. And they're they did it last year with the wheel wheels. And that, that was an exception because that was the first race with this. And, and it was important to get those wheels on safely. Um, and that's why they didn't penalize, um, Penske and RFK last year at the time for the wheel holes. Right. Um, later in March, <laughs> RFK tries to repair a tail panel that they weren't, weren't supposed to repair. Um, they didn't have enough tail panels and they tried to make the repair themselves instead of sending it back through the process. They didn't do it the right way. They didn't do it, you know, and, and NASCAR found it had been modified. They get the 100 point penalty, huge fine, crew chief suspension. Then um, in July, um, Front Row Motorsports mm-hmm. gets a similar penalty for uh, modification of a single source supplier part, another 100 point penalty another big suspension, fine, all that stuff, right? So now um, NASCAR supposedly has already, they already know that these louvers are not consistent or fitting the right way. And they've told the teams though, like, hey, like chill, like we're, we're, we're going to fix this. It, it's getting fixed. Nobody mess with this in the meantime. And they need, need to do a check. So apparently that's why they went around and checked before even the inspection. Well, guess who had messed with them? All four Hendrick cars, uh, <laughs> at, at least supposedly. It seems like they were messed with. So um, you know, NASCAR ends up letting them practice with them because if they had pulled them out before practice, they wouldn't have been able to, they probably would have all mispracticed. They let them practice with it. They were all fast. They get the, the other ones back in that are not the ones that they brought. Um, and obviously Hendrick was still fast. So it's not like, it's not like that was the reason they were fast, as Jeff Gordon pointed out in the post-race press conference. However, but it doesn't matter. Exactly, exactly. So and now, what do you what do you do? What happens here, Jordan? Well, I, I get it, it all depends, right? I mean, NASCAR is very clear on this. With the third-party parts, you cannot modify, alter them in any way. It is very straightforward, and they're very adamant about this. So it comes down to were they imp- improperly modified or altered in a way? If they were. And they didn't have that, and Hendrick didn't have mask approval. It's cut and dry. It, it's a penalty. Like that. That's it. That's the case. So it, it depends on what NASCAR determines. Um, back at the R and D center, it depends on the conversations that exist, and we don't know the answer to this that have been going on between the teams and, and NASCAR, saying, "Hey, these aren't properly fitted. What do we do?" NASCAR said, "Hey, you can do A, B, C, but don't do D, E, E, and F, right?" But as you know, like. Teams, when you give them a little bit of leeway, if you give them A, B, and C, sometimes they like to go into D. <laughs> and so I, I guess it just all depends on those conversations. And last year, when you go back to RFK and the wheels at Daytona, that was the conversation. Brad's like, no. Brad Keselowski was like, no, we talked to NASCAR. We told him this. And NASCAR was like, no, well, there was some, there wasn't clear communication. And that's kind of how RFK skated, right? And 
now. So it depends on what, what the conversations are and, and how far Hendrick may be over-modified. So I don't know the answer to that question. We're not going to know until really until probably Tuesday when the penalties are issued to see what happens, if anything. Well, and that's again where, you know, the narrative for this changes, right? <laughs> because we're talking here, yeah. Alex Bowman's the points leader. Everything's going mm-hmm. great. Like Hendrick's on a roll. Well, if they all get 100 point penalties, uh-huh. um, changes the game. None of them are going to finish. None of them are going to win the regular season title. We already know nope. Chase Elliott's not going to. Um, and that's going to hurt them playoff point wise. And another wrinkle, and I don't know, you know, I, we don't know what the penalty will be and we don't know if it'll be the same penalty, but it's worth pointing out that if they keep the penalties the same as what was to RFK and to front row last year, part of those penalties was a deduction of 10 playoff points. If those teams made the playoffs now, they, neither of them did. So it never came up and it wasn't a thing. But if you suddenly say, okay, well, um, by the way, we're also taking playoff points away from you guys. We're looking at William Byron right now. He's got a ton of playoff points, right? He's been mm-hmm. winning stages. He's won two races. Um, all of a sudden, you take 10 playoff points away from him. There's his two wins at least gone, right? And you take, you say, okay, well, he's fourth in points. You're going to drop him 100 points. Um, so if you, I mean, again, this is early, but if you dropped William Byron right now 100 points, he would go from fourth in points to 32nd in points, it looks like. So um, now I guess uh, other people would drop with him, but uh, but he's got know. the win; he's locked in. But I, I will say this: go like the nine. The nine no, I'm not. Right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be locked in. But the you get playoff points for finishing top ten regular yeah. season. So all of a sudden, yeah. all four Hendrick cars are looking at oh, we have a lot. Like we've been saying, like last week we talked about oh, Chase Elliott's gonna have a lot of work to do playoff points wise when the playoffs start. He's gonna have to win his way through. Well, now all four Hendrick cars would have to do that. So. You can talk about them having a dominating season and, oh, look what great position they're in. Look how fast they are. But if they get to the playoffs and they've all had a points penalty or something and, and they have all lost playoff points, um, it, it could be a more wide open playoffs, even if the season is Hendrick heavy. <laughs> I would think in that scenario, I, I feel confident. I mean, obviously, we know, we know Byron's locked in. I mean, presumably. He's gonna have, he'll have at least one win he can use for playoff eligibility because we don't know whether this win's gonna count or not. Um, no, this one will. This one this will count win, because you're, yeah. right, you're right. This one. So he's locked in with two wins for sure. Um, presumably Larson's gonna get locked in at some point and win. Um, I, I would think that Elliott is as well, and you know Bowman should be as well. But you don't know, and it opens up again. It opens up the possibility of if you hit a rough patch and things go sideways for you. You don't know. You you don't have those points to fall back on just in case you you need to, and that's that's one less safety net. That's a that can be that can be scary. Yeah, for sure. And then you know, not to mention if if you have if you've got crew chief suspensions in that with like if, if they do a penalty again, it could be all four crew chiefs gone. I mean, but the we'll, nice thing with Hendrick though is they have a very deep crew chief rock. Like they keep old crew chiefs like in the cooler somewhere, you know, Kevin Mendering and, and Greg Ives and canals, like all these guys, like they'll be, they'll be called all those guys are going to be back at the racetrack next week in Atlanta, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right now. The, the other thing is, okay. So what happens now if, you know, NASCAR has conversations with Hendrick and they go, okay, you know what? Um, after talking about it, you know, maybe, maybe we're not going to penalize or whatever. Hendrick makes a compelling case of why oh, this shouldn't, I tell you what, the accusations of bias would be off the charts. Oh, yes. And it puts NASCAR in a tough situation because remember the teams in the garage are already upset or have been at least about Hendrick's involvement with the garage 56 program, right? They're already like, well, wait a minute. How come Hendrick's doing this? How can you pick Hendrick to do this? You know, and, and they've, you know, the manufacturers told us at Daytona, they look, look, they've been transparent about sharing information. They let us come to the test, but there's still a perception of like, well, wait a minute here. Like, is Hendrick, what's Hendrick 100%. gaining from this? So I'll even go back further than that. You go back to pre next gen car when, when Hendrick Motorsports was having so much success on the road course. You know, Elliot was winning a lot. Larson started winning a lot. And there was, uh, I mean, this, I, I've had so many crew chiefs from Ford and Toyota and, and other people in those camps like saving, you know, why they're having the success. They're basically skirting NASCAR's testing ban because of their, Track attack, track attack program. So, and like, and and they're like, oh, NASCAR's letting them get away with it. So like, there's already this perception on top of the, the, the garage 56 thing that 
Hendrick can get away with whatever it wants, right or wrong. That's the perception. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're NASCAR, um, I mean, first of all, I would think if you were Hendrick, you already have to be aware of that. Like, Hey guys, like if we put NASCAR in a situation like this, we're probably going to get hit because NASCAR can't afford to like, let us be like, okay, that's, that's fine. Or, um, and, and I think too, it, it, I think just with the consistency now of the two 100 point penalties, that, that precedent's been set. There's, they've got to do something when, it, when you're found to have modified a part, if NASCAR really sees that they have modified it, that once they scan it at the R and D center and all that stuff, but it sounds like, I mean, they wouldn't have taken them if they thought, uh, you know, I mean, they, they spotted something, right? So, um, I don't know. I feel like NASCAR's pretty much, you know, they ha- their, their hands been forced I, I guess I would be surprised if we come onto the podcast next week and we're like, oh yeah, it was all good. <laughs> I mean, the only the only way I can see this is it, if there was some documented evidence of Hendrick saying, no, we we went to you guys, we we tried to lay this out and you guys didn't respond or you didn't you you kind of tactfully gave approval or something of that nature. Kind of again, like what RFK did, like kind of a technicality away. Other than that, like to your point, I agree. Like, I don't see how you can get around this. It is very clear on what you can and can't do. And anything outside of that is they're going to come after you. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. It gives us something to talk about, at least instead of a race that wasn't maybe the most exciting. Well, I, I, it's just, it's just, uh, again, the narrative, the narrative will change, but, um, it doesn't make your, you know, again, it would be one thing too, if like they had taken those away and all of a sudden, they had gone from super fast in practice to like 20th oh, yeah. or something. Then we'd been like, oh, oh look yeah. at that. Those cheating Hendrick guys. But yeah. um, I think since it didn't it, matter, apparently it didn't. It didn't. Um, yeah. Now, I will say and, and I want to go back to Kevin Harvick for a minute here because I feel like we, you know, we mentioned it at the top and we didn't really get to dive into it. What, what does it tell you that? I mean, first of all, it didn't feel like uh anybody was going to be able to beat Larson or Byron today. Then on a long run, Harvick takes his time, tracks Larson down, tracks him down. And he had a better long run car. Like he, he, he got past him. He, I mean, I think that was the only like true on track pass during a, like a run, not, not aside from a restart today um, in, in terms of for the lead. So that was really impressive. And it told me, it gave me a lot of optimism, I guess, for, Harvick's final season, because as you touched on, we've seen guys, I mean, you look, and, and I'm not going to get on you for this because I think it's a perfectly valid thing, but I mean, you, you picked Harvick to miss the playoffs. We were talking about our, our Slack channel today. Right. And, and, you know, I could see why somebody would think that like the, the, he's 47 years old, the, the final years that these guys have had for a lot of these older drivers are not great. Their, their, their performance falls off. Um, Harvick, except for that one, you know, sort of great, to win back to back thing last year. I mean, he, he could have had a couple winless seasons basically. Right. You know, almost like a Jimmy type scenario. Um, I think it was definitely a question of, okay, could he win this year? And, um, you know, is he going to make the playoffs? We still don't know if he's going to, but it looked like he was going to have the car to do it at his best track. You know, it would have been, you know, his 10th career win there, extending his own record, his 61st win. He would have won for, you know, to bookend his career, uh, first season and last season, uh, maybe that'll still happen, but, but you don't know. Yeah. And it, but I tell you what though, like the, the performance was there though. So, and, and it hasn't been for Stuart Haas this year. No, I mean, he continues to carry the ball for Stuart Haas racing and, and they were better today. Let's make sure now like Briscoe had a nice rally back today. Ryan Priest had decent finish. Amarola had a wheel issue and he was a non-factor, but they were better today, but it has been a struggle for this organization. And, Really, for the last few years, it's been Kevin Harvick and everybody else in that team. And it's just, it hasn't been good. And it's interesting why this organization has just had this disconnect between you've had one team that's been great consistently and other three teams have been really more lackluster than anything. I mean, they've had their moments, but I wrote about The Athletic this week. Only since Kevin Harvick joined the organization in 2014, only twice has two drivers been able to win multiple races other than Harvick in the same season. Like it's crazy. You know, Kurt Busch did it one year and then Clint Boyer, like you look at the Gibbs and the Penske's and the Hendricks, like what makes them great is across the board. They've got deep benches of guys who win multiple races a year on the regular and contend for the title 
That's not the case at SHR. It's Kevin Harvick, and that's it. And if he's not in championship contention, they don't have anybody else that's a legit title contender. Yeah, you're right. All great points. And again, like, um, you know, Briscoe did take a step up today. He needed um, that. Maybe something to build on. He finished seventh. Uh, Priest, I didn't think he was going to get up there for a while, but he ends up getting up to 12th. Um, I had tweeted that, you know, when, when Almarola had his, um, had his issue that I was kind of disappointed with his day. Um, and then a lot of people said, well, you know, he has been moving up since, uh, from, from the bottom thirties. And I thought, well, maybe it is premature to say that. So, but you know, you, you don't know what happened with him, but I, I thought he was going to be, um, you know, he's really good on like the one mile track. I mean, he won New Hampshire that year, that one year, um, where you're like, wow, he really came out of nowhere here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought he, you know, this, this seemed like an SHR type track with Briscoe's win last year and everything and Harvick's history. Um, but board strong here. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't know what would happen with Almirola, but you know, they, they looked better overall today. We don't know whether that's Phoenix. We don't know whether that will translate to the other short track package races. Um, but you know, something to build on also, I, you know, something to build on for Tyler Reddick, who has had, you know, a pretty rough start to the season. Um, ends up finishing third, uh, you know, th- the other Toyotas, I mean, gosh, was, was he the only Toyota in the top 10? Yeah. Hamlin ran, Ham, Denny Hamlin ran in the top 10 all day. Right. He was going to finish really top 10 until his thing with Chastain. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's hard to knock him a little bit. Bell had a good run too. Uh, oh, but that's right. I see Bell in six. You're right. Bell's yeah, in six. But yeah. Mark, but yeah, so they were good, but they weren't, they didn't have race winning speed. None of them did. Like they were good, um, but they didn't have race winning speed. They were clearly they, they're lacking something there. And then Martin Trix Jr. Just, they flat missed it today. That was weird. That was really that was bad. bad. I, uh, I felt pretty embarrassed that I picked him on our, you know, ah, each week okay. with our, uh, with our picks on the athletic, um, try to give people what we think is going to happen. This one, you know, we had to pick before practice and, uh, obviously I would have picked Larson. Pick. If, like, well, no, it wasn't a good pick. That. No, it was not. No, I mean, pick. it, you looking at the outcome. I'm looking at the process. You're looking at the outcome, and your process was correct. Like Truex is good here. They have a good program. It's, they, they ran well at the Coliseum, which there are a little bit of similarities. Like it's not a bad pick. Boy, they they were not there today. Uh, no. I will say, you know, Keselowski. Unfortunately, he finished 18th. Wow. I don't know what happened. He slid through his last pit stop. He slid through his pit stall a little bit. Oh, I missed that. And, okay. and everybody was, you know, obviously doing two tires and everything. It cost him. And that was unfortunate because he had an average running position today, I think of like sixth or seventh. And he it, he had finished, I think, 18th. It, it wasn't indicative of how well he ran. He really, that was arguably outside of a super speedway where he's been great at since. Like that was probably his best all around race since joining RFK, maybe. I mean, they, they, they look good. Um, or they look yeah. much improved, much improved. Listen, Qualified well, Kazlowski they raced does. well, like they did everything yeah. well. Like that's, they've turned the corner. Like, I mean, I, it's early, but they yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win a race, but they, they're running. Brad's running consistently. What? I mean, he's not running great, but he's running well. He's doing the things that like put his team in a position of, Hey, if there are 12 winners this year and four playoff spots are going to go on points. Like he's going to be in the conversation. It feels like, and that's, that's a big step for where this team was at. I feel like. Yeah, no, that, that's well for sure. I mean, he's running, seems like he's, he's having a top 10 car or something around there. Maybe at least fifth to 10th place car Yeah, each week or something. So that's, that's, that's an improvement. Um, what, what did you think about, I mean, were you surprised? It's kind of funny. Um, uh, I think Steve Luvender clipped this, uh, on, on Twitter, but so I, I, and I had not remembered this, but so Larry Mack, as they're coming to the that final pit stop there, uh, Larry Mack, you know, they say, I think Mike Joyce said, would you consider doing two tires here? And Larry Mack says, if, if you do two tires here, you are getting fired tomorrow. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, that, that ended up being the winning call. W- was it that obvious? I mean, was that, was that, were they going out on a limb? I mean, I didn't feel like it. Did you? Like, I didn't feel like it. Like, I mean, I, I say this because you made the point of like, this isn't, to me, Phoenix is not Fontana. It's not Darlington. It's not old Atlanta where like four tires after one lap, fresh tires can be all the difference, you know? And I felt like if you made a gamble here, like it's worth it. It's kind of what we said a week ago. Like I thought more people last week should have gone to tires. This isn't a clear cut 
cut and dry track of like tire wear is that bad. I'm not saying over a long run, obviously over a long run, over a 10, 15 lap run, I want four tires, but for an overtime late race restart, two tires doesn't seem like that big of a gamble. And, and that's exactly why I brought this up. I mean, we were screaming for people to stay out last week, right? Yes. We were saying, oh, good on James Small. Good for Truex for staying mm-hmm. out. Why didn't more people Go stay out? So, yeah, the idea that everybody would come down and just take four tires. I, I actually was surprised that Eric Jones didn't stay out because Eric Jones had run this his cycle longer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he pitted and he only had, let's see what this, the thing says and my monitor still works here in terms of like the last pit stop. Um, shoot, sorry. I, I lost my, uh, I way lost to go. my, my way thing. to go. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's not showing up. Uh, basically I, I was thinking that, you know, because he, he ran his long and he only had, uh, I think he had, he, he pitted for the last time with 30 to go and everybody else had pitted with like 60 ish to go or something. Right. So I think he had about 30 lap fresher tires cause he ran his cycle so long. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if he could even stay out and see if he could do something with shot. that. Yeah. Um, he finished 21st by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked his gamble. I, I like the gambles. It, I do too. Like for why, why don't like more people that, do that? Like, yeah. You've, you've got to win. You've got to figure out a way to, to steal one more, more likely you're going to figure out a way to steal one to get the playoffs. Like, Go for it, and I I thought it was I, I I was appalled that they didn't do it last week. More teams, and I feel like maybe the crew chiefs watched that. <laughs> maybe they watched the end of that race and are like, oh man, we you know that's on us. Like, and they learned from it because I to me when everybody's coming off pit road on two tires, I'm like, that's good, good for you. That's the way to do. It. I will say, I also get Kevin Harvick's decision on like taking four. Like he is, he, there are some drivers who just want to be in attack mode and, and go for it and he is one of those guys who, when you say attack and go for it, like he's good at that. Well, and, and, you know, Rodney Childers, it sounded like they still had some confidence when he came off pit road. Cause Rodney Childers comes on the radio and he's like, Hey, you're the first car with four tires. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they talked about something else. And then he said, like the other ones that took two, he said, you know, they've got 59 laps on their left sides mm-hmm. or whatever. And, um, you know, I think they thought that was going to be more of a factor than it was. Um, and I will say this. I just make I think a restarts at Phoenix can be chaotic, but you can make up positions pretty quick, you know? So it's like, it's in that, in their defense, like I get it. Like, Hey, and Kevin Harvick's a great restarter, right? Like you, you, okay. We're going to give our guy four tires. We're going to tell him to get after it. We know he's aggressive. You can dive down and cut corner. You can get positions here. It's like, okay, yeah, we probably maybe need one more caution to come our way. But like we're in a good spot, and again, it goes back. I I feel like they would have won this race, or really good shot at winning this race, if Kevin would have gotten a better restart than he did in that first overtime restart. Jordan, we touched on the quality of the racing, but <laughs> I think we should dive into it a little bit more because there was a lot of hype about the short track package. You know, this was supposed to be a fix. I don't know, it's supposed to be the fix, but it's supposed to be a fix. The drivers were very optimistic that you could move around more, um, that it would help with passing, that it would help widen things out. Um, and I mean, from my view, it pretty much felt like the typical Phoenix race. Now, maybe it makes a difference at some of the other short tracks, you know, Martinsville or Richmond. I I don't know, but I didn't see anything today that I was like, Oh, thank goodness they made this change. This is so much better. Oh, wow. I mean, William Byron in his winner's press conference says, yeah, you still couldn't pass anybody. Dirty air was still a big problem. So what do you think? What do you think of the package? I don't know. I mean, from my untrained eye, I felt like drivers were slipping and sliding a little bit more today, which is good because you want these cars to be harder to control. And so it felt like, the cars were sliding around and they didn't have as much aero dependency on the car, but everybody was saying up and down, like you couldn't pass today. So it doesn't matter whether the cars are slipping or sliding or not. If you can't pass, you can't make passes. And when somebody would get behind somebody, it's almost like they got stuck. That's why like Kevin Harvick actually able to reel in Larson and then able to pass him. Like it was crazy to watch. And like the Fox's reaction when it happened, their booth kind of told you the story of like, 
of the race, which was people couldn't pass. And all of a sudden, like Harvick, who despite being faster, it shouldn't be a surprise that the guy who's running you down over a long run and is faster passes you for the lead. But everybody was acting like kind of justifiably like this was crazy to watch because you couldn't pass. So I don't know what this is. This means for Martinsville and, and Richmond and some other the other tracks are going to use this on. Uh, it's a little bit different, maybe. But today wasn't it wasn't great. Like it was a very typical Phoenix race. And my big thing is not so much the package or whatever. It's like, I'm just kind of, why does this track have two dates? Like, why are we so enamored with this race? Like, I'm not saying don't go to Phoenix. You need to go to Phoenix, good market, good crowd, sellout crowd today. But like, what is the, the racing quality here that justifies have Phoenix having two dates? Well, they spent a lot of money on this track uh, to redo it. That's all. That's it. That, that, I mean, but, that's it though, but that's, that's, that's it. But like in terms of like quality and at a time when NASCAR has done a lot of things, great things with the schedule and taking move dates from tracks that maybe weren't offering the best racing and tried to add new, you know, variety and quality. Like this is still, this is something that needs work on. And like, and now as you start to look at this reconfigured schedule going forward, you're looking at this going, okay, this to me, you hear a lot about Richmond, you know, losing a, a, a second date. Like, and I'm not saying it shouldn't do that because it should, but like Phoenix kind of deserves to be in that consideration as well. I mean, it's, it's tough because I feel like there's been some good Phoenix, right? Like remember when they put the 750 horsepower package back after that, we'd, we'd seen that 550 package and it was the year before the championship race, right? Um, the year before the championship race, when it was the penultimate race, yeah. it was a terrible race. Then they, 2019. right. And then they're like, oh, look, Oh gosh, the championship race is going to be here next year. We've got to do something. And then NASCAR ended up being like, yeah, that race was so bad. We're going to give them the 750 package at the short tracks. Right. Um, and I thought that made it better right away. Um, and it made it, it made it more intriguing. Um, I remember, you know, Jamie McMurray on, on door bumper clear last fall. I think it was in the off season episode that he was on where he's like, Phoenix has never had a good race in 20 years. And I'm not saying Phoenix is, is a great track, even if you give them the ideal package, but I think there's a way to get it better. But what we saw today, I have really pretty much no optimism that the championship race, when we come yeah. back there in November is going to look any better than, you know, last year's championship race or this race, or it, you know, look, we know the restarts are crazy. Whoa. You know, they're diving on the apron. Oh, four or five wide. What's going to happen? That is crazy. I mean, it looks really cool. But as soon as they get sorted out, pretty much, that's... Yeah, give them five laps and they're single file and can't pass. Then what? Like, and right. you get these long stretches of green flag racing. It's tough. And when you've got the championship race here, this needs to be a driver's track. This needs to be a track like Homestead where, like, a driver makes the difference. He's finding lines. How close do you run to the wall? Do you push it? Do you conserve? Can you save tires? Like that, none of that really feels like it applies here. And that's not what you want out of your championship finale. And so it's just, it's really frustrating to watch because I, I don't think if you saw the race today, you're going to think, man, can't wait for them to come back in November for this championship, man, that's going to be exciting. Like that's not good. And, Great. I, I'm really glad that they, they, they sold tickets and people in the market are, are responding. That's great. But you still got to have a good product for the folks sitting at home watching. And I don't think the folks sitting at home watching today got a great product. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they got that caution at the end. They got. And that's you know, the thing. You know. Like, I don't mean to cut you off. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, and so that's kind of the thing is like, I feel like kind of maybe the case last week where people are like, oh, they're just going to remember the finish and the craziness or whatever. Oh, that came down last lap pass, whatever. Like, and they're not going to remember the stuff before that. So maybe it, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe that's all that matters is the last few laps. And if you get that caution and you get the wild restart and, you know, craziness, like that's it. And it doesn't matter what happens before that, but I do feel like I, I think it matters. And I, and I, I don't, this is purely my opinion. And I don't have anything to back it up, but I think the television ratings reflect that late recently. And like people want to see good racing throughout and they want to build up to like the finish. It doesn't, you know, you just don't want to like, I don't want it to feel like I, I, this is a bad at comparison, but like you always hear it about basketball, right? I only got to watch the last 30 seconds. You don't want it to feel like that in NASCAR. Like I only got to tune in for the last 10 laps because I know I'm going to get a caution and then that race is going to go into overtime. You want it to matter throughout. 
Jordan, let's say NASCAR comes out and goes, we've decided to give the 2024 Cup Series championship race to Phoenix again. What's what's your reaction if that happens? <laughs> See, this is I'm I'm glad we have video. We're trying to video for the first time for those of you listening to the podcast. I hope I people just, can see you're you're shutting your eyes and shaking your head and rubbing your eyes beneath your glasses. I don't think that does anything. And I, I just don't. I don't think it, it it puts your it's all about positioning your sport to be the most successful. And I don't feel like putting it at Phoenix is the most successful. I'm not saying it can't come back here. I am I am a believer that it should rotate. Um, but you know, pro- like I, go back. If it was up to me in a perfect world, go to Homestead. I love Homestead. Like right, I, I knew you were going to go there, and I'm so glad you did. <laughs> it's perfect, but you know, and it's great. And what I in, a, in an ideal perfect world, honestly, in a perfect world, like, and I know we're going to differ on this because I know you love Fontana, but like, I want Fontana's remodel to go through, and that's going to be a half mile short track in LA, like. That sounds really a great venue to, to have a championship race. So that would be, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And so go back to Homestead and, you know, I guess that's probably the best of both worlds, right? I mean, that's, I would you get love it. to go. If they came out and said, all right, here's our schedule for next year. And by the way, the championship oh race is Homestead. The driver reaction, the fan reaction, Everything. everybody'd be like, oh Bam. my gosh, yes. gonna go crazy. Woo! this is awesome. Yeah. All the people on under the tweet would put W and they put all those memes of like, here, take this dub and all that stuff. Um, because people would be like so happy that it's going back to Homestead. Um, I get that, you know, it's not the most modern track in terms of facilities anymore. Um, you know, it's not near a downtown or something, but damn, it has good racing or it has. Um, so I think it'd be great now. I mean, with the auto club thing, Again, like when that news came out compared to how I thought about Auto Club when we were there a few weeks ago, I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, Auto Club, yeah, it's been a nice two-mile track, but, um, you know, I hey, more short tracks, yeah. But now again, like they've pulled this lever. They have a tiny two-inch spoiler or whatever. Aside from giving them more horsepower, which sounds like it's not going to happen. Not, not happening. So they've, they've done what they can. Uh I, I don't know what else they could do. I mean, I guess there's they could replace the entire underbody, but then everybody has to order. You know, they've got to get all new parts and all this stuff. Who's paying for that too? Yeah, I mean, and is that even guaranteed that the short track is going to be good racing? So th- I guess that's my worry. Like, okay, you say, okay, we're going to get a short track for the championship yeah. race, half-mile track. Let's go. Let's decide it. And you're like, uh-oh. And now I'm saying a- uh-oh for North Wilkesboro. I'm saying uh-oh for the Martinsville, Martinsville. race coming up. I mean – Oh, dang. I wish this had not turned out this way because I don't, I want to be like, Ooh, I can't, I can't wait. I can't get, I can't, uh, I want to be at these races. I want to see them. I'm excited. But, um, I'm, I didn't see a whole lot today that gave me a ton of optimism. So I, I guess it's still got to work on it. You know, I don't know. I don't know it's what a else work in do. progress. And I think, you know, my overriding, I'm not a chicken little, I'm not you. I, I, <laughs> I say this affectionately. Uh, I, I'm not a chicken little sky is falling, like, you know, everything. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more of a, a step back and kind of take a look at the bigger picture on things a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not wrong. You know, I'm not wrong. Um, But I like, I look at this and I'm like, and it's what we talked about last week. Like there, there is reason to be skeptical about this next gen car in a mile and a half racetracks from what we saw at Vegas, from what we saw last fall a little bit. And you take away the intermediate, if you take away the success of this car on the intermediate tracks, and that's no longer there, and the short tracks continue to be the way they are, like, what, what do you have left? Great question. Great question. I mean, and that's why Kevin Harvick said, you've got to keep changing up the rules package constantly with this car, because teams are going to get it so quickly, and they already have, it seems like, uh, maybe even on the intermediates, not to be all chicken little with you, Jordan, but, um, you know, like they, they've got it, they've got to change it up quickly. Now the problem is you say, well, Hey, look, they threw a whole brand new package at them this mm-hmm. weekend and look who was good. The yeah, big powerhouse teams, Hendrick and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if you, 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 you probably can't do this cause I don't know how you would officiate. Like you almost need to get rid of Sims program. Like that's the only wow, like thing yeah, is like, you... but you're not going to, you can't like, because that's the problem. Like, and Kevin's right. Like you need to keep throwing teams curveballs and stuff, but it doesn't matter because these teams Oh, go to the Sims and they will spend 
hours upon hours. They'll work in shifts there. Like they will like, and like, they will figure this out. And so it almost doesn't matter how much you, you almost have to have the teams roll in on a Friday, not give them any heads up, roll in on a Friday and be like, yeah, here boys, this is what we're doing to this weekend. And like, you know, set your cars up today. Like, but I don't think you can, you can't do that. Like package so, of the week. So you'd be like, all right, yeah. uh, well, we're going to spin, spin a wheel. wheel. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. a seven inch spoiler this week, guys. Yeah, that's it. That's, then, that's it. Like that would be it. Like have a bit like, and or have the winning. Here we go. The, the, the benefit of winning the week before is you get to pick the rules package the next week and you don't tell anybody until like that Friday or so. I don't know. It's just, you could get all, you could all game show on it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it, it seems like there's not uh look, it's let's tough. let's hope that that in a, in a couple months from now we're going, "Oh, phew. We were so worried that uh this was, so. you know, but but it turned out okay. Now it's all good again." But um just from the West Coast swing, it doesn't feel that way at the moment. So uh, it doesn't like, and it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, we go to Atlanta next week and then you got Coda. So really these next two weeks, you're not going to know. I mean, you're, you may, I mean, I guess Coda mean a little bit cause it's a road course package and everything like that. I still, I don't know. I don't think you're gonna be able to take too much away from that. So you're really not going to know anything until, you know, you, you've got a stretch where you've got Richmond, Martinsville and um, Kansas kind of within like five weeks there. I feel like, by mid-May, we're going to have a really good idea of where this package or this, I'm sorry, this not well, this package and this car are at on short tracks, intermediates and road courses to a lesser degree. Well, we, it seems like we already have more of an idea than we had last year again. So. I know we're going to have a bigger sample size though. Like, you I know, understand it's, it's a more of a yeah. confirmation to see if we're yeah. right, if we're correct of what we're saying right now or not. So we will find out Jordan. You are two and zero oh on the was it a good race poll? I have missed both times uh, since we've been doing it this season. What are people going to say? I was way more pessimistic than everybody else was last week. I think I said like thirty percent for Vegas, and it turned out to be in the forties or yeah, forty nine or something, right? Yeah. So uh, and you were in the forties, so you were a lot closer than than I was. Um, so I will let you go first to pick to pick this. What do you think? What are, what are people going to say about Phoenix? Uh, I'm going to say 45. I'm going to say 45%. And I, I say that because I think the expectations were that this was going to be a different kind of race, that this rules package was going to be a game changer and it was going to give Phoenix better quality racing, more side-by-side passes, more lead changes. And instead you've got, Really, three drivers, Harvick, Byron, and Larson dominated today. It never felt like really that any one of those three, one of those guys was going to win. It wasn't the race that I think people wanted. And Phoenix doesn't have the best reputation. So I'm going to say 45%. Well, I thought this was, I thought this was kind of like a little bit better race than Vegas was. Um, Sure. And that got 49. So just based on that, I think I just might go like 50. Um, I I don't really, again, I don't, I don't have necessarily like a compelling reason why, because I didn't think it was that great, but I mean, you did have, I mean, you had Larson dominating, but then Harvick was able to track him down and up until 10 laps to go or whatever. It's like, wow, this is like Harvick. This is a great storyline. And then caution comes out. uh, That storyline goes away. looks like Larson's going to win. That storyline goes away. Byron wins instead. So, I mean, you had enough maybe to give people something. Um, it wasn't amazing. I mean, there was, uh, 10 lead changes all day, six different leaders, five cautions. And there was nothing that jumped out about it where you're like, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess just because people were kinder than I expected last week, I will think that they might be a little bit kinder this week and I'll go, I'll go 50. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was better than Las Vegas, but that's not saying much. But I also say, I don't know. I just the expectations were higher for this one too. Well, the expectations yeah. were high for Vegas too because it Vegas, was a yeah. one point five. I'm, I'm track, very but... curious to see. I, I don't know. 
I don't think people are going to vote favorably for this. I just don't. I, I'm very curious to see how they end up voting for this stuff. Well, I think I've made it through this whole episode without being rude or obnoxious to you, which I got. Wow, boy, a lot of people did not like how I uh, yeah. shut down Thank your you. your Chase Elliott opinion last week. Although then you went on Door Bumper Clear, my favorite podcast, and put picked me as your idiot of the week. Wow, what a low blow. In my defense, in my defense, there really wasn't an overwhelming, there was no overwhelming candidate. And I even told everybody in the crew, I'm like, hey, I need some help here, guys. We took a commercial, we took a break, and I'm like, hey, guys, I need help. Like, I, I don't have an idiot of the week. Like, I don't know. And it was like, we started looking through the lineups and everything for the Xfinity race, the truck series race, the cup race. Like, nothing is jumping out. And then someone's like, why don't you just name your buddy Jeff? I'm like, perfect, done. Yeah, easy for you, because... You wouldn't want to name Chase Elliott because that, that would be a great career move to call Chase Elliott your idiot of the week. Um, I didn't. I mean, like, I don't think I don't think it warranted him being called an idiot of the week. Well, you said that you should. All the clips that came out. By the way, <clears throat> one of the clips, probably the most <laughs> viral clip, is is you talking about the the dating advice, which our listeners already know about the copy and paste. We named an entire episode copy and paste, but then you you spread that to the door member clear platform while having your shirt like almost all the way unbuttoned. I thirst mean, trap. thirst trap. Oh, thirst okay. Trap. You're, you're just trying to lure in the ladies with that video clip. I was looking good. I mean, I know they film layers, you know, they got to be on TV and be on camera. You want to make sure you look the part. Well, we're trying to film this for YouTube and you look like a floating head against a black backdrop. So <laughs> you're, you don't think that people are going to watch our YouTube thing. And, and uh, I got my, the... I got my cashmere sweater on today. You can't tell. It looks like you're part of the backdrop. <laughs> all right, all right, duly noted okay well i don't really know what else i mean we don't have f1 talk about this week we don't have what what, what are you saying? I mean, i'm just saying like, you're, you're listening to this because the door bumper clear you can go back we we did talk about dating advice in a previous episode so you can catch up you know yeah because who wouldn't want dating advice from you a single man who's never been married in his 40s great job yeah i'm doing it right jeff doing it right <laughs> All right, I can't uh, tell you how many married people, by the way. I have like so many married friends of mine. They're like, God, I envy you. <laughs> Jeez. You should out your, out your, uh, out those people. No, <laughs> no. Um, I was like, you're like not you... one of those people, by the way. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. Tell my wife. Jeez. All right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you know, before we go, any reaction to, uh, Jensen Button and Kimmy Raikkonen? That's cool. Um, running the the Coda race along with Jordan Taylor, I have a lot of Connor Daly. Connor Daly, yeah. yep. I think it's, I think I think I think Coda all of a sudden has turned into like a glorified IROC race in some respects. I think it's really cool that you're going to see these guys and good for Jordan Taylor because we've heard, you know, he's been close. He's wanted to do this for a long time, and been close a couple times. And you know, you know, depending on who you talk to, the opportunities were there, and it didn't. They couldn't get across the finish line. So really happy to see him get an opportunity that he he frankly deserves. Like he really worked hard on this. He's put the time in and you talk to the Chevy guys, like he's been instrumental in helping them develop the car, get better being at road courses and stuff. So I'm really curious to see how he does. And and Jensen coming over and doing this, I, I think it's it's great. I think it's great to see Jensen there and Kimi. And I, you, we can talk about this car and everything else we just talked about, right? But you can say is like this car – undisputedly has opened the door for more international drivers to come over and be, and the addition of road courses and is, is allowed them to feel more comfortable coming over here to try their hand at it. And that's a good thing because all of a sudden a race where we kind of look at, it, we're like, oh, okay, they're going to Coda. You know, it doesn't really have any buzz about it. It's just a race, right? All of a sudden takes on a different dimension. Like, Oh, Kimi's going to be there. Cool. Jensen's going to be there. Oh, Connor Daly's going to run that too. And like, it's cool. Like Jordan Taylor's going to be like, that's fun. Like you want that feel. I always talk about how make you want to make races events and, and exciting. Like this is all of a sudden taken on a different, an, a different look. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and really the car does get a lot of credit for that. Right. Because you know, it's basically a sports car. And when you tell guys um, from international racing, especially ones who have done some sports car racing, like, Hey, this, this could be somewhat familiar to you. It's not just like the old stock car, that we used to have with sort of the more dinosaurish technology, like this is more relevant. Um, I've, and, and the fact that it is a spec car and it is, you know, that you're going to be able to get into the same equipment. Now we know that some cars are still faster than others, 
but you know, it, it's at least the same parts and pieces. That's uh that's something to be optimistic about so that, you know, when, when Jensen buttons driving for Rick Ware racing, even though it's, you know, pretty much a Stuart Haas effort, you know, you're like, okay, you're going to have the same stuff as Hendrick, right? I mean, different engines, but you have the same parts. So, um, I think and, that makes it easier. Too, mm-hmm. I think it's great too, that Coda's got practice. They're going to have practice on a Friday. So these guys who are coming over here are going to have more opportunities to get familiar with this. Cause you can't test and actually get on the racetrack. So by the time you qualify on Saturday, you'll have a pretty good amount of a laps on the, on the track. I think I I'm, I'm genuinely excited to watch practice and watch qualifying to watch these guys and how they get, you know, what they, how, if they can improve and what they're doing. And like, you look at a guy like Jordan Taylor and like, I don't think any of these guys are going to win the race, but I, I think it's going to be fun to watch Jordan Taylor and Kimi particularly because they, they're going to have a little some experience with this of, of what they can do. Totally agree. Well, first we've got Atlanta next week. You will be there to see if it's uh can replicate some of the excitement from last summer where Corey LaJoy and Chase Elliott went at it. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see, or maybe it'll be a, a straightforward William Byron win again. <laughs> three in a row for William yeah we'll see what happens next but everybody of course we appreciate you as always for listening and we will talk to you next time on the teardown see everybody